welcome back to the podcast. It's me, ya boy, Jay. I've got the Nancy. Hello. I've got the Dio. Ah. I've got Angelo. Hello. With me today. Oh my gosh. The whole gang is assembled. The house, it is full. Yes. The podcasters were coming from inside the house. Uh, Before we get too far, I'd just like to give a quick shout out and great thank you to anyone who participated and watched and hung out with us on the OdaFest stream while Bayfar and Amanda and I played randomized Pictionary Ocarina of Time for charity for the Alberta Children's Hospital. We've been having an amazing time. It has been a revelation to see Bayfar's art art skills improve in such a short time. <laughs> oh my! Wow, it's very precious. It's, yeah, it's like wonderful. it's it's actually really. I, I think it's really interesting because he finds solutions to like you know he's him not being able to draw so well, but like he. <sighs> really is trying and he's like he you don't hear him talk for a while because he's like <laughs> i am focusing i am devising drawing okay devising <laughs> planning and strategizing here yeah meanwhile i'm running around like an idiot being like i don't remember how to fight this boss because i didn't realize just how rusty i was at that oh, i mean certain bosses are really kind of weird like they're, yeah they're... i mean they're all creative the 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 floor the, the the levels like the 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 dungeons are all very like interesting i just didn't realize that it had been a solid like 12 years maybe since i've played ocarina of time like in an entirety so uh yeah it's been a time interesting (laughs) definitely but yes thank you again for all uh, of the community support and uh, supporting the kids so that one day they can also continue to play games for kids hopefully yeah yes I think the cycle perpetuates indeed and speaking of kids there's a lot of um, interesting gaming news kind of floating around in the in the general Mm -hmm. nerd sphere Um, a whole bunch of really interesting stuff going on some very positive and some maybe negative was not a surprise to anyone yeah and like so in what has become one of the most self-fulfilling prophecies google stadia the product that people didn't sign on to because google kills products didn't attract any customers and as such google killed it yeah, another one, another one Surprise. for the Google graveyard. Surprise! Yeah, and I know, I know that when Stadia was announced, we talked about it on this podcast, and I had, I was so full of optimism. I was like, I really, I don't personally need this service for myself because it is not something that I need. However, I like what it is doing for the for the general demography of all gamers. I like that. I wish mm-hmm. I could support this. But I am also fearful of the Google graveyard list. And I know we talked about it. We said exactly that. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, how's Stadia doing? Oh, you know, it's it's being canceled real hard. Really Apollo okay. with the steel baseball bat oh. in the closet with the gift of prophecy the- just ready to go. This reminds me, I uh, I have actually visited the Google graveyard. Yes. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that, but when I went to California a few years ago... uh, Wait a minute, there's a real physical Google graveyard? I'm trying to remember because it was a very short part of my trip. Like We didn't stay there very long, but I visited the Google campus because the friend that I visited with, uh, his brother worked at Google at the time, so we could just explore the campus, basically. Neat. Um, There's multiple campuses, but we did visit two of them i don't know if there's more than that i don't recall Mm -hmm. but yeah so there's an area where there's an android i don't want to call it a graveyard technically because android is still around but they like monumentalize each of the mascots yeah they've got the the mascots for each of the ones because it was like this one was ice cream sandwich so they've got exactly yeah i've been there it's it's interesting i don't know if it's really a graveyard (laughs) I, that yeah, sounds I guess more like a temple a or a monument. But then there is a separate building that's very close by on the same campus where it does have 
some of their discontinued products, but it's not. I don't remember if like I don't remember if Google Glass was there, for example, and I don't remember all the other bits and pieces. But there was definitely a few of their past stuff. Mm, whether it was yes, successful or projects. not, their their past yeah. projects. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of overall. Cool. Yeah, it, it was like that is interesting, but like for a company like Google, they frequently uh throw things away once they're like ah this is just not going to work for us or we don't want to expend any more energy on this any more resources yeah like in a way that very few organizations can be just so like free like oh we are now redistributing the team who worked on this project for four years yeah damn like Like, google is google is one of the you know I, i always joke that like every company nowadays especially like if it's a tech company or it's a company that has like an it department that's internal Every company wants to swear up and down that they're agile and that they follow agile methodologies, and they usually don't. Google is one of the few companies and one of the few tech companies out there that claims to follow an agile process and actually does, like, and actually follows through. Because they just they just yeah. cycle through products. Like they try something and if it doesn't work, they iterate on it and they keep iterating on it. And if it gets to a point where it's just not worth iterating on anymore, or it's like it's mm-hmm. it's it's complete but it's not profitable, they let it go. And just to be clear, they also don't just like fire the people who are on the team. No. Yeah. Like, they don't they just, don't like, just they, they're, they're not just like, them. hey, your contract is yeah. ended or you don't have a job anymore. It's okay, you've spent two years working on this. Now you're going to go work on something else. Mm-hmm. But there has to be someone at Google who looks at these projects to begin with and say, that's a bad idea. Like <laughs> everyone, when Stadia came out, everyone was saying basically the same thing. That's cool technology, but it's a bad idea. And I think you have to try. Well, here's the thing. Like, I, like I, if they have the resources to try, which is the, the interesting thing, right? If anyone has the resources, Google is it. Yeah. And the way that they're sundowning it is also a very Google way of doing it. Something that basically only a big company like Google can do. But mm-hmm. when it was launched, it was a service that needed close physical location to a Google point of presence. It needed Mm -hmm. very fast internet. So you were looking at someone who lives in a dense urban environment who wants to spend money on like gigabit fiber. Like you are looking for an enthusiast and you're saying, hey, Mr. Enthusiast or or Mrs. Enthusiast or enthusiast person, imagine, imagine if you didn't have computers, but still wanted to game. What? market is that yeah like okay i guess i see your point like the market segment for the stadia on launch was like non-existent it was people who had the ability to have an amazing pc and multimedia setup and had none of the hardware how many people does that actually exist it's basically the only people who must have actually bought stadia literally just must be Google fanboys. Yeah. The use case I could potentially see for it, mm. and this is actually a market technically, is the elderly market. When the Wii came out, the Nintendo Wii came out, and about five to ten years after that, it became quite popular in seniors' homes and long-term assisted care facilities because it was a very accessible, like, uh, uh, machine um and and people like the interactivity that they could give like a little bit of exercise almost totally i could see that when our generation uh sort of ages into that kind of bracket that something like a google stadia could be really useful if you want to be an old gamer and you know to be fair to be fair with that um one thing that's interesting about the google graveyard is Google will like if they put if they if they discontinue a project, that project doesn't necessarily stay in the graveyard forever. 
Like they don't just like take oh, everything. Yeah, they store all that. Yeah, they don't just yeah. like take everything they've learned as a part of the process and just like throw it in an incinerator and say we're never doing this again. Like yeah. to be mm. fair, very rarely do things leave the graveyard, but there are examples of projects that like <laughs> zombies. <laughs> but there are there are a few like resurrected like like oh, projects yeah. that they've brought back. So totally. to your point, I think glass came back technically. Glass yes. came back. It's yeah, it now did. being used in mm. warehouses almost exclusively uh as a good way of just like identifying from uh a giant stack of too of many stuff. Items. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I I could see like exactly what Jay's described where like having like a a handheld um, like gaming device as a senior, like I could see, especially for, I could see like that be coming back, like the Stadia coming back in a new form for a different specific well, use case yeah. later. If you want to talk about that, GeForce Now and Xbox uh, Cloud basically do everything Stadia was doing, but better. Oh, Xbox Game Pass, you mean? Uh, there's actually a cloud version of it. Is Is that included in the Game Pass? Where it's basically streaming so. video games. I would argue that it's a little bit different because we're not talking like that's still a software side product versus like Stadia gives you the hardware. Well, that's the thing. The idea of Stadia is hardwareless, but Stadia specific hardware does or did exist. Now, yeah, I know that's what I'm saying though. Like, I think that in a situation where again, like. I don't know, my ideal use case right now is still like an old folks home. Where and, like you might you know, not you're in want an urban, to... You're, you're in yeah. an urban center or something like that. Where or, you would have like fiber I connection. would argue yeah, yeah. that GeForce Now is actually better for that. Because one thing to remember, with Stadia, you had to buy the games specifically for Stadia. Stadia was a game console that had no hardware effectively. Whereas something like GeForce Now is NVIDIA has the hardware and lets you play your games that you already have on it. Uh, yeah, but it might not be as accessible of a brand than Google is. Now, one thing about how Google is sunsetting this is that Google is actually refunding any hardware purchases and any game purchases that were made They're on the They're losing tens of dollars. <laughs> The, my God. I mean, I'm not going to be that facetious about it, but I kind of like that they're actually doing that. I remember when, was it Ultraviolet that was going away? It was one of the online uh, movie ownership systems. Oh. One of them. And I don't even remember which one, but there was a couple that did go there away. Were, there were a few that tanked, and uh, you could honor those licenses on Google Play, which I thought was kind of nice. Yeah. In this case, they're just doing full-out refunds. Yes. Like, basically everything except your subscription fee, you're getting back. Which is good. To be fair... It just means that they just treated it almost like a giant beta for people, it sounds like. Yeah. You know? But, but I think you're right. I think there's there's a lot of potential for this project to come back when the, the actual customer base is, right. is there for it. I do not think this this service will ever come back again under Google because as much as they're doing the customer right, they did developers really, really wrong. Oh, yeah, that is a fair point. Like, I think I don't think Google is ever going to succeed at tapping into the game dev market ever again. (laughs) This may surprise you. Developers working on Stadia exclusives and Stadia ports and Stadia games, they found out that Stadia was closing down when all of us did. Oof. They were not told ahead of time. There yes. was there was a post on our game dev that I did not about a development sense. team who had spent six months porting to Stadia, and the night that their game launched on Stadia was the night that that blog post about Stadia shutting down was released. I wonder why that ever happens, because that's not the first time. I'm not, this is not a a Google thing. Like it it happens in, I want to say like the gaming or tech industry a lot. The thing is Google can't trust them not to leak it. Yeah. Like it's, it's a mix of both things. I think it's, it's like 
the executive level just litigate them to hell well yeah i mean but that's expensive and timely and you know it, you have to set the precedent first before people are really afraid I guess. right no you have a good point though so you know they 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 can't trust people to to hold the secret but it's also because like and i've kind of observed this is in the, in the it world in the tech world developers are like probably the most dispensable like they're treated as the most dispensable labor like like you mm. might hire a dev or a Hell yeah. <laughs> we puppies. I, I was holding her specifically so she wouldn't be like barking at our feet, wanting attention. But now she wants the attention. She saw someone outside, I guess. Someone she oh. didn't like. <laughs> that's that's impossible. <laughs> I have met that dog. No, she's angry at the wall for getting in the way of the person she wants to pet him. Pet her. Oh, That's yeah. actually what it's called. It's called like border anxiety or border frustration, something like that. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. So, um, <laughs> I don't remember what I was saying. Uh, that uh, developers are disposable. Oh, so in a, yeah, so in the IT space, um, and generally, generally in the IT world, developers are often seen as the most disposable labor. Um, you might hire mm. a developer or a dev team and you hire them for a three month contract or a six months contract or a one or a two year contract. And it's just, it's just a cost, right? It's like, it's like a product or it's, it's a product that you go out and buy, right? Like you go, you need to solve, you know, you need to, um, you need to go uh, nail something like you need a, you need a, a, a staple gun and you need to nail or like a, 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 a pneumatic the 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 tool nail that you gun. use the nail gun you need a nail gun so you know you go you have your nail gun at home and you need a nail gun to solve problems so you go to the store and you buy a bunch of nails while your developers are a bunch of nails and so if you bought mm. more nails than you needed you know you just you just you just return them you just take bring the receipt no back i keep them in the closet <laughs> you I keep them throw forever all these developer people's into in the, the closet the storage closet and they'd be like shh i need you later yeah <laughs> and so unlike the the sort of like like the cloud so like the the google stadia like the the employees at google who probably worked on the stadia project they're not like they're the nails that like oh this is a really fancy nail i'm going to mm-hmm. keep this for a later project or like i'm going to keep this and maybe have it do something else or turn it into a screw or, or whatever until I next need a nail project. But developers, you don't keep them around. You just get rid of them. And you 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 hire more again when you need them for a new project. And so... Just to be clear, this is not a healthy approach to developers no, at all. No, not at all. It's no. not a healthy approach, but, but it is the... It, it does seem it is a to reality. be the reality of how developers get treated in, right. in the industry. And that's not even unique to gaming. Like that just seems to be any kind of development project. It's you buy a bunch of developers and you use them. And if for whatever region reason, the project goes bust, the first people you get rid of, like the first thing that you shave, the first piece of fat that you trim off your organization is the developers. Right. And, and, not to justify it, but I'm sure that in the current environment, like job environment for developers, they know. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Like it, does, it doesn't make it good, right? No. But they're like well aware that's how the culture is surrounding um, their employment. Exactly. So, so I mean, obviously, like, it yeah. depends on the employer, but yes, more often than not. More often than not, it's something that people are aware of. It doesn't make it good. It doesn't mean people like it or enjoy it or that it's a healthy approach um to treating laborers uh but i think a fair amount of a fair amount of developers know that 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 is their reality even if they don't like it Mm -hmm. so stadia is dead stadia is super dead stadia is the deadest it's ever been cyberpunk 2077 on the other hand is more alive. alive than it's ever been before yeah so for full context back in september um and and pre precluding to september's release um netflix had announced and had provided some trailers that there was going to be a cyberpunk 2077 anime um and it was going to be animated by studio trigger which um if you're a big anime fan you know them um they've done really awesome works such as 
the ever popular Kill a Kill. Um, they did Pro oh, Mare yeah. was their like movie feature. Um, they did Darling in the Franks, which your mileage may vary. You either love it or you don't. Um, but you know they've done they've so- done a, b- a bunch of work. And the the anime released um, in September um, to unbelievable success. Um, anime fans watched it and loved it. Non anime fans watched it and loved it. People who have no knowledge of what cyberpunk even is and just happened to have a Netflix sub- subscription watched it and loved it. I watched it. I loved it. It's great. Um, but it has, it, it did so well that it's, it's, it's not only driven people back to the game, like people who had played the game and are now returning um, because they've, so of course they released coinciding with um, the anime's release. They they released a major patch to the game that includes a whole bunch of DLC outfits and weapons and new side quests and all kinds of, you know, nice fancy updates to, to, you know, keep you invested and interested in the game. Um, but it also has got a bunch of people playing the game for the first time. Um, the, for the, yeah. for the week following um, the anime's release, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 was the number one sold game on mm-hmm. Steam. It had more peak players than it did at the launch. launch. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's huge. Which is almost unthinkable. Like typically, uh, when you when you release a game, unless it's like a, a dedicated live service game, which Cyberpunk is, you know, they've been releasing DLC and updates, but it's not a live service game. It is a standalone mm-hmm. single player experience game. Uh, the you know the expectation is that you know you're going to have your peak or your highest player count sometime within the first six Month. months to a year after mm-hmm. the game is released, and after that, it's just going to steadily go down until nobody is playing anymore. Um, yeah. So to have a game not only re spike um, years after launch, but respike to the point where it's bigger than it was at launch is kind of nuts. It's kind of power of anime. And God is on my side. For real. (laughs) I mean, like, but, uh, what? Like, I mean, I mean, like cyberpunk has called it like the no man's sky treatment. Like, yeah, like a overhyped launch, disappointed expectations, but they are like CD project red has been steadily working on the game. I haven't gone back to it yet because I'm still trying to finish a couple of other big games on my list, namely Horizon Zero Dawn mm. and Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm. But once I finish those, I want to jump back into Cyberpunk because I'm super excited to see everything that they have done to improve the game, fix its bugs. And I want it to be the game that I expected. I think a lot of people, this sort of, the, the, the anime sort of rekindled their interests, their hopes and dreams for what the original game was. And I think they're probably meeting those expectations now because generally speaking, I've heard that the Cyberpunk game, quite good now. Like it's very playable, people enjoy the experience and they have this great side material that, they can, that they've already enjoyed or can enjoy alongside. It's a pretty good one-two punch, I think. Uh, and I'm, I'm very happy for CD Projekt Red. From my perspective, CD Projekt like Red has done so much to expand the cyberpunk universe. All it needs is a good video game. <laughs> you know, fair enough. And oh, it looks like yoik. it sounds like we're finally Just wait, one right there. We're finally maybe it sounds like we're finally actually getting that really good video game because the mm-hmm, anime yeah. was awesome. I loved it. Um it's a really fun ride. Um I've 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 always joked that like with trigger anime um, the animation is going to be amazing. The music's going to be amazing. The visuals are going to be fun. The action's going to be great. Your mileage may vary depending on who's writing the trigger anime. Uh, the, the story and, and plot may take um, worse than a backseat. It might be riding in the trunk um, of the show. No, you just have to. You just have a proclivity for power tools because you need to believe in drills and spirals. Exactly. Powers. You gotta. You gotta. <laughs> you gotta just believe in the me who believes in you. Um, exactly. But uh, it's the 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 one really cool thing is the, so that the anime, the story, the narrative is written um, by the same narrative minds behind the cyberpunk game um, and behind some of the other cyberpunk twenty seventy seven like you uni- other like 
universe stuff like there's a board game and there's i'm graphic novels and all kinds of stuff that i have not consumed uh and supposedly that stuff has been really well received from a narrative level like uh from in general and i can understand why because the narrative in cyberpunk 2077 the anime it's it's very simple but it's really well executed it's a compelling narrative i cared for all of the characters there was one character that was it was her name Jessica? I can't remember. No, Jessica, what? No, the? God, the blue girl, Rebecca. Rebecca. Wow, I couldn't remember her name at all. Really left an impression on me, didn't she? For the first half of the anime, she was basically a side character that just showed up for like two minutes an episode, and in the last like three episodes, she got a fully fleshed out character arc, and like almost got best girl status. It it was crazy. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a really fun. I think the story is great because the narrative itself, like the overall plot, is very simple. It almost feels like you're kind of just sort of in a slice of life in the in the cyberpunk world, um, and it's it's just very much driven by character drama and like what are these. Who are these individual characters in the world of cyberpunk and like, who are they and what does being in this world mean for them and what like interpersonal conflict does that cause? And so it's really cool. It's fun. Um, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm happy that the anime did well. Um, it was awesome. I'm glad that it's apparently breathed like a, just a massive breath into the game uh, to get people to see all the work that I, I guess uh, CD Projekt Red has been putting in um, behind the scenes that, you know, mm-hmm. that people maybe haven't noticed again because of, you know, how fumbled the, the launch of the original game maybe was. But, you know, it's a it's just a cool phenomenon to see because it's very much unheard of. I hope it leads to better adaptations of existing franchises as well, because, for example... Video game movies kind of suck. <laughs> kind of is almost being gentle. <laughs> Universally. Mm-hmm. Universally really kind of suck. <laughs> I often, yes. can't think of one great video game to movie adaptation. Super Mario Bros, obviously. <laughs> There's like two or three good ones probably. <laughs> I can't think of any yeah. either. Like, I, I will say it's kind of hilarious how Netflix has really fumbled the bag on straight to movie like releases. Uh, but mm-hmm. then they are the champions of like video game adaptations now. Like Cyberpunk 2077 is doing well. Arcane is a League of Legends adaptation that is mm-hmm. just... It, it, it arcane was amazing amazing and amazing so it's just like netflix has somehow quartered the market on video game adaptations and doing them well but there is that but to be fair both of these were shows so yeah. no movie yet but uh but yeah as amazing as it is to see cyberpunk 2077 getting some life seeing those hackers and those edge runners and those net runners doing their thing some people just couldn't wait for the video game to be good, and they had to do the hacking in real life. Oh, well. True. Oh, true, yeah. And so, there was a kid out of the UK who hacked into Rockstar Studios and got all the source code and assets for GTA 6 and leaked them online. Uh, a yes. true cyberpunk! Yeah. Yes. Legit one of the biggest gaming leaks ever. 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 <laughs> Ever. And for one of the biggest projects in gaming, uh, you know, one of the biggest franchises, just insane how much information they distributed. And then they tried to, like, shop the source code around. Mm. Oh, yeah. And this is like a... I think he's technically a minor. I think he's like 16, 17. Yeah, like he's like a that. teenager. already so. been arrested. Oh. Yeah, and he's yeah. been, yeah, he is getting slapped by the judicial system. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. But for anyone who actually, like, even if you don't care about GTA uh, or and the, and the new sequel and everything like that, that's coming out probably in a couple of years' time at least still, like, this is huge. You don't ever want to be doing what this kid 
did. Like, it's one thing to like hack thing. Like, a lot of people like to hack into things to get like to access, learn how. Not necessarily to learn how to. It's like it. Like a lot of hacking is like if you have a safe before you, it's not about getting what's inside. It's, it's understanding about the lock. Yeah. Exactly. And what this kid did, and and I think he had like you know their little secret underground network, darknet shit with the little, you know, hacker friends. But, like, they just went about everything, I think, in the worst way possible, thinking that maybe they could profit or, like, they would be, like, revered somehow. Yeah. There's no. there's, there's definitely, yeah. um, like... Like, oh, we'll be notorious now. We'll be, prestige. like... Prestige. Oh, there's some prestige. Yeah, prestige. there's definitely prestige. Um, especially... I did it for the exposure. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. This kid, if if he is ever able to leave the UK again, uh, if he goes to DefCon, he'll, he'll have some. He'll have some uh, people being like, "Hey, kid, great hack. That was pretty damn cool. Stay the fuck away from my computer." No, it's the the, the the opposite is is the reality. The opposite is, is the truth. As now, the exact a, opposite uh, is the truth. Basically, a a convicted criminal. Effectively, well, no, but the, alleged, see, the thing is. The alleged thing, criminal he'll the, never be able to get a passport to leave the uk but the thing is he will literally not have oh, internet yeah. access for years well the thing is he'll either not have internet access or the next time he does it will be companies who have secrets to protect who will say i will pay you a lot of money to, to work at my it. company and try and break it oh, and yeah. tell yeah. me how to fix it this sure but uh, I mean, that would mean that he would be able to keep uh this dude's future is say, in pen testing like Most likely. yes Most likely. maybe but you would have to be able to keep uh, uh, your interest in it if you're, because there's a lot of like anyone who's not familiar with the history of hacking. Essentially, back in the days before, like I don't, I don't know if they really still do it, but there's lots of stories where old school hackers would have would essentially break into, I don't know, let's say like Microsoft's uh, network, and then Microsoft would find out who they were, and then they'd be like. Look, we could either litigate you to hell, or, or we you can come you. work for us. Oh yeah, that still absolutely happens. happens. Um, yeah, lots yeah. of white hat hackers out there. Lots of white hats but out there. Those hackers usually don't spill everything that they've got and make a huge, Indeed. huge mistake in in uh, essentially distributing the material that they found and 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 essentially make it a legal issue. Yeah. Uh, beyond the penetration, right? Yes. As soon as so you this, try to, as soon as you try to selling your stolen material, the material you stole, yeah. you are a black you hat hacker, it. and uh, if you're not behind like seven proxies, you are gonna have a bad ooh, time. Boy. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I I do imagine uh, he's gonna be having a very bad time. Um, the developers over at Rockstar are not having a fun time because again, this was a leak. The game's not done. Like it's not, not even this, close. it's not even close to done. It's something that is still actively no. in development. People looked at the video of the leak and was like, "Oh, this is what GTA Six looks like. It looks like a shitty game." I don't want oh, it. Not understanding no. that, yeah, games look <laughs> shitty when they're not done. When they're not done, like yeah. like you, yeah. you don't, you know. It, unfortunately, uh, development is very much um, computer magic to the average consumer. And so there isn't this understanding that you don't just, you know, come up with the concept of idea and you drop it in an engine and out pops. You don't wave a keyboard while while licking the keys and out pops a video game. Out pops a video game. It, it, you know, there there is an in-between process where the game is... You know, I thought, I thought that's what Angelo does every time when he's on stream develop. That's exactly what he's, he's doing. Just, yeah, he's just licking the keyboard, just like <laughs> chewing on the mouse cord. Licking the keyboard, uh, getting getting sustenance from the crumbs between keys. Oh, yeah, that's that's gross. where my snack gross. stash is. Too far, <laughs> too far. But it's definitely rough. It's a, yum, 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 it's yum. a. This kid's in for a world of trouble because it it affects. This is the kind of leak where it doesn't, it's not just, you know, it's not just one person or you in a company. It's like you've affected a lot of people mm. and a lot of people's hard work, mm. a lot of people's yeah. unfinished work. So, yep. yeah, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. If you're, if you're going to be a hacker, that's not a bad thing. Um, 
but maybe don't try to extort or blackmail um, the people that you have gotten data from. Uh, instead, perhaps consider how you can use your knowledge to help people. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's 17, by the way. Yeah, so he is technically a child. I really yeah, hope they 17. go light on him. Doubt. Oh, I doubt. He's <laughs> Big doubt. Oh, yeah. But I hope and... they do. Because... <laughs> He's a dumbass. Yeah. It'll be tough for him. But I, you know what will be interesting? If you ever play the game, I'm sure there's going to be a huge either Easter egg or, like, huge reference in the game about what happened. Definitely. Somewhere. Like, there's no yeah. way after all of this headache, the dev team would, would, would not want. Yeah. Just some NPC sure, uh... camping out in the woods being like, the authorities <laughs> won't let me have computers anymore. <laughs> You know, I can't even have a cell phone. Yep. Well, you know, as it goes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of all the games, been playing some games. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I have been playing nothing new. Okay. <laughs> Except there's like been a mod that came out recently mm-hmm. for uh, like pretty much all the Pokemon games, like all the handheld Pokemon games. So we're talking like anything from red, blue, and yellow up to like diamond and pearl and maybe even like X and Y, black and white. I don't really remember, like maybe sun and moon and stuff, but all the handheld games. Um, people have been coming out with this with like randomizer moves, uh, uh, randomizer mod for the game where like you change all the Pokemon, you change all of their stats, you change all of the moves they can learn. Mm-hmm. And then they impose incredibly limiting rules. And it's called Pokemon uh, like Iron Mon Challenge. Oh. And there's like a whole different like I, I, I stumbled across this maybe a couple of weeks ago when I was just watching some streams and then you know got sent over on a raid and watched this guy start playing. Um where basically this Iron Mon stuff is like there's several tiers of rules where like the first basic tiers, you can still have a full team, but the team is limited in how they can like heal and how, when they can battle and the moves they can use and stuff like that. Mm. But like I'm, I was like, okay, this is interesting. And the streamer that I was watching is using the Kaizo rule set, which anyone who knows the word Kaizo when it comes to games is just like, oh, you know, you're in for a bad time. So the streamer I was watching, he was playing Pokemon Fire Red, and he finally beat the game on the Kaizo rule set after 3,905 seeds of attempting. Wow. That's a lot. And I was like, this is, this sounds interesting. This is just the amount of crazy for me. (laughs) For you, specifically. You're like, I love suffering. I love pain and Pokemon. So I've I've started this up and I've probably been playing for about the last two weeks total, maybe two and a half weeks at this point. And some of the rules, specifically in the Kaizo set, there's actually uh, the fourth, uh, this is only the second highest uh, difficulty because I don't want to go to that last difficulty. I looked at the rules. I was like, that does not sound like any fun, <laughs> but this one sounds just unfun enough for me. Just um, unfun But this enough. one, you can only have one Pokemon battling the entire game. Ooh. That means all, so all trainer Pokemon are boosted 1.5 times in their levels. You cannot go grind in the wild grass for levels. You can Uh, for experience and stuff and you can only have the one pokemon for battling you can't use pokemon centers uh in certain situations most of the time you have to do all your healing in battle with the items that you found that are randomized in the world so hopefully you find some potions along the way and you can't uh you can't you can't use any other Pokemon. So if you catch a Pokemon, like you if you come across a Pokemon in the wild, you can catch it, but you have to switch to it. Mm. So that like like it doesn't work most of the time because they will be under leveled and you can't uh, you have to use trainers as a way of fighting mm. and you can't use healing moves and you can't like like it's basically a grand struggle. I have played over 300 seeds already, and I've only <laughs> beaten Brock once. Holy oh, shoot. no. So you are in for an, an, an eternal world of pain. This sounds like you just nice. have to wait for RNGesus to bless you. 
Yeah, that would have to be it. Uh, a little bit. Uh, there's obviously lots of luck involved in a run, but that being said, like there's ones where like you know you just get. St- I've lost some really good Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> I had I I get like PTSD already because I think about it and I'm like Did you have on that YouTube? one Blastoise that one run I had this one Blastoise that I didn't even there's like so when you start the game everyone I'm sure sort of remembers you you go to your you know you go pick up your Pokemon out of the three right you cannot choose a legendary by the way like there's there's oh, restrictions okay. on what kind of Pokemon's you can you can you can pick up Damn. there are legendaries in the game but you you can't use Pokemon with over six hundred and base stats which is mostly legendaries but the thing is is like you pick your pokemon then you have to battle your rival your rival is at level eight because of that 1.5 times boost in level you're level five and they can have a whole bunch of randomized stuff you have your randomized pokemon and there have been times where they just have the perfect counter to what you have I once had this Blastoise that I picked up. I looked at its stats. I looked at its moves. I'm like, oh my god, it could be the one. We could have a chance. Good luck on Lieutenant Surge with that Blastoise. And then I was, and then like the the I had a Blastoise, but it had like a fire move, which is totally fine, because the rival picked a Pokemon that ha- that was a Grass type, weak to fire moves. I was like. Like, this could be it, and I could maybe get out of here, and I could, like, go and have an amazing run. I used the fire move. It had, there's, every Pokemon has an ability, and the abilities are also randomized. This grass Pokemon had a fucking ability that absorbed fire No! (laughs) And you don't know that. Like, there's no way to know until you, like, activate or trigger the ability. Oh, my God. And I was just, like... Rest in peace. And that run just didn't like like you didn't beat. You know, the it lasted less it, than five minutes. It, actually... it, la- it lasted like three minutes, and it was just like cool. Throw away the Blastoise <laughs> onto the next seed because they you know that. And there's just so much like unrealized potential in each seed that you fail in because you never Feels know. Awful. Amazing, like you know, RNG. I'm not even a streamer, no one witnesses my pain. Our Jesus was just sitting up there looking at <laughs> you, like, <laughs> was there, like but yeah. has there if been you... a, a situation so far where your rival has the legendary? Oh, absolutely, but sometimes you can, like, you can beat a legendary, like, it's not impossible because it's still also just level eight. It has good, it should have some good stats, but like, the moveset could be totally garbage, like, it, it's. Uh, the meme is like called like out of lab. It's like, did you get out of lab? No, return to. Uh, or if you like fail like early on, they're like return to lab. Smack. <laughs> that just it God. hurts me a little bit. But it's very much a grind. How yeah. how much time would you say on average over the over two hundred seeds that you've tried? How much time have you spent before having to move on to the next seed on average? If I had to guess, I would probably say I spend 15 to 20 minutes of gameplay. Mm, like, no, it's probably less than that. I think the actual average would be closer to 10 minutes because if there, there's lots of times where I get to Brock and I've failed at Brock. And getting past Viridian Forest is another thing. But, like, those seeds usually run me at least 30 to 40 minutes. But there's plenty of seeds where I don't get out of the lab. So it's probably closer to ten minutes overall. The three hundred over three hundred seeds of gameplay, but I've got I've it's very efficient now. I can reset very quickly. What was your longest? And find out. Uh, you have played over three hundred seeds. I and you've I become be- exceedingly efficient at it. <laughs> yeah, I, I had an I had a Kingdra that beat Brock. And I was like, oh my god, I did it. But I also knew that I didn't have a lot of heals and the moves were only like sort of okay so far. I hadn't oh, that's the other thing. You can for your Pokemon, you can pick up like moves from the world, but you can't tr- use them on your Pokemon. You can only level up and learn your moves or use the TM the move that the gym leader that you beat gives you. So you can't immediately improve your Pokemon very easily. So after I beat Brock, I was like, oh my God, first time 
beat the big hurdle because Brock is like a huge gatekeeper in the game mm-hmm. um, for Fire Red. I lost to the second po- uh, Pokemon trainer after him. Like uh. <laughs> I was, I left the town and I was like, okay, beat one trainer, cool. Went to go back to heal, go to the second trainer, smack. <laughs> Rough. And I was like, back to the lab. <laughs> I go back. I feel like Dexter and Dexter's lab- laboratory. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> to the lab. Lab. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That just so that's the so kind of frustrating. Super yeah, that's it's a- frustrating. But it, like, like I said, it's if I didn't find it fun, I wouldn't be doing it. It's it fun easy, because it's frustrating. Self-imposed. Yeah. Self-imposed hell. Have you guys played anything interesting recently? The only game that I've played lately, I have played Gundam Overwatch. But I mean, it's Overwatch with Gundams. A more interesting game is Peglin. And that is a game (laughs) where you are a little goblin that plays Peggle to do damage to enemies. Oh, that sounds cute. It is the best. Yeah, I watched you play a bunch of it on stream and I thought it was pretty Uh fun. (laughs) It's great. Like, the Peggle game mechanic is very simple and very, uh, it, it activates your neurons. And so being a little goblin that's throwing rocks and the damage that you deal is based on how how well you clear the peggle board with it. It's so satisfying. Very it's nice. so good. I've been playing, I got my hands on a copy of Nine Noir Live, so I've been trying to play oh. it because I wanted to unlock my character so I could hear what yeah. I sound like in the game. And, oh God, it's so fun. I'm glad. Dang, Nancy got to be so a part of a fun, fun project. Uh, but... Uh, many, many eons ago, Brofar outed me for being an extremely innocent person at times, and that came out in this game. At some point, people were like, did you know that you could use the glass in your inventory to listen in on conversations? You should try that. And I was like, oh my god, that's a thing? Who tries to listen to- Oh, I don't. That doesn't mean that other people don't. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been fun. <laughs> I forgot that was a thing. I haven't tried that since I was like five. I always thought that was like an urban myth that that actually helps you listen. I haven't really done. Stuff. I haven't done that, but it, it reminds me when I was a kid. I did try like the tin can phone. Yes, the 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 or like the plastic. Yeah, the tin can phone with the string. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Oh yeah, did that's like a rite of passage. So, the thing oh, about yeah. the thing about the 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 cup on the doorway thing. Most people just aren't talking about anything interesting ever. Yeah. True. Yeah. Like true. most most people are not having private conversations where the only thing separating unlistening ears is a door. Like if your parents really don't want you to hear something, they're having a conversation when you're not home. Yeah. Or like in the car in, or something. Or like somewhere where you aren't around. You, yeah, exactly. For sure. Although I will say that in public sometimes you do hear like the weirdest personal <laughs> conversations. Like, like things that like, just make no sense or like have yeah. things that people have no business discussing Even if I get, like, snippets. in public. One yeah, time. Because like, I live downtown going like walking down like past like patios in, in the restaurants downtown and you hear people talk about just really weird things. And I'm like. But I've been there. I talk about really weird things sometimes in public. And then you make the joke about how you can't be in public. I'm like, yeah. One time on Dio's building, there was a guy using the intercom to call his friend. (laughs) So, like, he he buzzed his friend from the intercom that goes to the guy's cell phone. And they start talking about something. And I'm like, wow, this guy's on the intercom for a long time. I'm not listening, though. And then his friend on the other side of the intercom says, I don't know, dude. I don't want to go to jail for this again. And then the guy's like, oh, I'm calling you from the intercom. Other people can hear it. And they're like, oh. <laughs> what? I, and I don't, I don't know who it was. I don't know who in the building. So I'm just, oh, I'm just so good. I just know there's a character in my using, building and I don't know them. That, using apartment that intercom systems to. Uh... <laughs> I still want to hear Nancy's That beats story. my story. One time I was at the mall. So very public bathrooms. And there were two women in the stalls intimately discussing how they were going to get the one girl to divorce her current husband because (laughs) they, it was just like, I I understand that this is a very important conversation for you to be having if that's the future you decide for yourself. However, maybe not 
in, in Mark the, and in Maul's bathrooms, maybe. But I would, I would say that because like bathrooms tend to be like they're thought of as a very private space. So they just, even though they were in a public one, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I am not siding with them. I am saying that some switch in their like subconscious was like, I'm in the bathroom. It's, it's private safe now. To talk. It's safe to <laughs> yeah. talk here. So one of my biggest fears with public bathrooms is having a really echoey poop. If you get me. <laughs> <laughs> with yeah, yeah, yeah. one exception. <laughs> with one exception. And that is... Casino bathrooms are on another level of, of quiet of or... amazingness. What? Like so my my baseline is Caesars uh in Windsor. So across the country for any Calgary listeners, but the bathroom, the ceilings are like 20 feet high. The floor and the walls are like marble. It is one of the most ornate, luxurious looking places, let alone bathrooms. That you could be. You walk into this bathroom and it feels like money. And if I could have an echoey poop anywhere, the most noisy bowel movement possible, <laughs> that's the place where I would want it to be. You you would want to be it to be like Caesar declaring a I don't know, whatever an emperor declares, but in poop. Exactly. <laughs> you could, oh my God. You, could, you can make that you can make that declaration in Morse code, depending on <laughs> A small poop followed by a long poop. Followed. Oh my god! Just <laughs> and I have symphony. made my declaration. Just, just a butt orchestra in the in the Caesar's the, in the Caesar's washroom. This oh. is the second time we've talked about poop in two episodes. Oh my god! <laughs> what are we becoming? Children. I don't. What's happening here? This is we are we are returned. We are podcasts. going back. We are hitting the undo button. We are returned to child. Yeah. All right. We are we returning. <laughs> nope, to this next is where week's we end episode. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> I need some eye bleach. <laughs> Ear bleach, you mean.